Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch alongside Adrian Leiser. As mentioned earlier, you can follow us on Twitter. You can catch Adrian at AP Leiser. You can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch. Eric behind the glass at Eric18Utah, if I'm not mistaken. Eric, did I get that right? Yes, sir. And if you missed the first hour of the show, it is currently up on your favorite podcatcher app and will soon be up on the 1280 The Zone website. So go check that out. Thank you, Eric. Make sure you subscribe to us if you approve of this messaging. On-demand audio. five-star review. Yes, why not? On-demand audio is the way of the future, it feels like, all over the world. On-demand, just anything entertainment-wise. Yeah, you can catch all three hours of the Saturday show anytime if you do miss any of it. So please subscribe, rate, and review. All right, Adrian, uh, Justin Zanuck. Utah Jazz general manager joined the big show yesterday ahead of the Jazz and the Clippers game. Had some great thoughts on the NBA trade deadline. Had some thoughts on the team amidst their then five-game losing streak. Obviously, they won last night to snap that streak. So let's get to it. Here you go. Utah Jazz general manager Justin Zanuck with the big show. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Come see us, 10905 South Automall Drive. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line, lease any phone, and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, the general manager of the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck, with us on The Big Show. Hi, Justin. How are you? I'm good, Jake. How are you guys? Hey, we are doing terrifically well. Uh, One day after the trade deadline, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Tell us kind of what that process was like for you this year. So we've been, I've been here a few years and the process is, you know, always the same with us is be available and uh, look at whatever else comes with the market. As you, as you guys are well aware that, any transactions involves another party and um you know we were involved earlier in the season most of the nba is a deadline league um with having a specific date for the trade deadline but you know we kind of made our big move you know almost two months ago with acquiring jordan clarkson and wanted to use that opportunity to get him in here early so we had the benefit of integrating him into the team and more games to effect and have an impact for us uh, which has gone very well um, and up until the deadline if there was anything that we thought that could improve our roster um, and made sense for us short term and long term then we would be available to do it but through those conversations there were just nothing that made sense um, the Millers have always given us uh, great support of any moves that we want to make to improve the team, but uh, just didn't seem like there was anything that really made sense for us at this time, above and beyond what we did with Jordan. Yeah. Do you have a system in place? Uh, Do you, I guess uh, the way to ask it is, do you pre-think various possibilities so that if they do become available, you, you, you don't have to scramble to think about it? 
absolutely that goes with anything that you know we do whether it's free agency it's the draft um you know our pro personnel department led by bart taylor our our uh, college scouting department with walt perrin uh, it's a constant flow in the front office of information for us and trying to determine markets if it's free agency or trades uh, other teams needs uh, studying other teams and how their seasons are going constant conversations uh really even when you don't need anything or want to talk about a specific thing, but um, the relationships that you have with the other heads of NBA teams and then all on down, all of those bits of information that we're getting allows us to be prepared. So inevitably, as you've said, Gordon, in a, in a trade deadline, you know, there's something that another team may not operate the way we do. Um, and they think of something last minute. Now, whether we've actually thought about that specific iteration um, we're ready to have a quick response um, rather than sitting there and like, oh, I didn't think of that. We we try to study the league every single minute and every single day. Justin Zanuck, general manager of the Jazz with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Justin, uh, your team has uh, dropped five in a row now. And, of course, fans uh, and media alike can sometimes ride the roller coaster a little bit. When you're a general manager and your job is to keep your eye on the long term as well as the short term, how do you react from short-term struggles like a five-game losing streak? So, as you guys know, losing isn't very fun. Um, there are tough stretches during every season. Um, sort of the ebb and flow of the NBA. And we've obviously this year already experienced some, both the highs and lows through these first 50 games, winning 19 to 21, and now losing five straight. Um, you never want to re- overreact or react um, prematurely. It's all pieces, again, of data points coming in, results, how we play, um, what's needed, uh, all go into that. So, you know, while it's never fun to, you know, not play well or be on the wrong side of a, a result, you also have to keep in mind of, of uh, what's good for the team. And, and as Quinn has echoed, you know, the results get to show us in the mirror of what we need to do. And there are times that we have played very, very well this year. And there are times we haven't played very well, uh, including this stretch. And uh, But the character of our group, I think, will help us get us through this tough stretch. Um, we need to play with more force and precision. Our guys know that, and we'll continue to work towards that as we've integrated, you know, pieces back into the lineup, uh, new additions with Jordan, um, you know, some schedule things and just being able to play the way other teams are playing us. And it's a constant adjustment throughout the season. So we'll get through it. And... Um, We'll see. The other good thing about the NBA is usually you don't have to wait more than a couple days to play again. So I'm happy that we get a home game with our great fans tonight. You know, it's interesting to me, Justin, that in some cases, I'm sure you consider all this stuff. You don't just look at how talented a player is. You look at the fit, right? And you look at how it's all going to come together. And you make a deal for Jordan Clarkson, and it seems as though he had an immediate impact where he helped your team right off the bat. And then you have cases like Mike Conley where it takes more time for it to be uh, incorporated. Uh, is that something that you give a lot of thought to, and, or maybe does that cause you some heartburn sometimes? Well, I mean, none of our games are played on Stratomatic or on paper. You know, you can assemble you know, what you think is fit, what you think is talent but you're dealing with a human element 
of anything. And sometimes, you know, we, I think that we always strive to have great process and, um, make the decisions with, you know, great support, as I've told you from our ownership group and from our coaching staff, and then you've got to put it together and then you've got a season and you've got other things that you can't control, like how another team plays. We can work on what the things that we need to be better at and focus on that. Like I said before, the, the character of the group and that integration, um, it take it's taken time. Um, but these guys care about each other. They, they care about the results. They care about um, they want to compete. They want to win. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get into parts of the season where winning gets difficult. And it's, it's always hard to win in the NBA. And you get through these stretches. And, you know, our team has responded time and time again. Uh, since Q has been here, and I have no doubt that that will be the you know the result going forward. What was your and reaction? Then we'll find out from then we'll find out from those results, you know, where we kind of stand in in the ranks of the NBA. And that's kind of what you did last off season, right? I mean, after you saw what happened in the playoffs, it seems like I remember Dennis, and maybe you said it too, Justin, that uh, that y- y- your lesson was that you needed to make some adjustments. Sure, I, I you know. The league is constantly changing. Gordon, you've covered the NBA and the Jazz for a long time, and um, whether it's style of play, salary cap explosion, player movement, new rules, um, how coaches and players interact, off-season training, all of these different elements are constantly changing, no constants in the NBA. So, you know, even with just roster construction, um, results to tell you within that specific season or a couple seasons what happens and that change is needed and you and you know it's going to be a different season every year with new players and new opponents and new styles of play and just being constantly try to be proactive enough to to be able to prepare for that but again we're dealing with the human element and competition and nightly results that over a course of a season will tell us where we stack up. Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Justin, two of your, of your guys are going to Chicago to play in the All-Star game with Rudy and Donovan. On top of, uh, you know, acknowledgement uh, of their great play, does it does it mean something extra for maybe a small market to get the recognition? Uh, if you win, you'll get that you'll get that love. That's the bottom line. I think, you know, winning and, and producing and Donovan and Rudy have been so great with their, their teammates as well and acknowledging them and the coaching staff of helping them get to, to be recognized by the NBA and being able to be first-time participants in the All-Star game. Obviously, we're thrilled for them as an organization, as individual people and what they mean to our team and uh, teammates' comments have reflected that as well. So it's always nice to have recognition when it's deserved um, which I do think both of them are very deserving and also a reflection on team results and we need to keep you know pushing in that direction but obviously we're we're thrilled that Donovan and Rudy are gonna get their first all-star nods this year. Justin this is more a comment than it is a question and I don't even know if I expect you to, uh, to, 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 to comment on my comment but it seems to me 
that you guys have given this team everything, just about everything it can ask for. The support is there. You know, you saw a need for, for Jordan Clarkson, and so you go out and get him. You made the moves you made in the offseason. Uh, I think Quinn Snyder is one of the most terrific coaches around. Uh, the ownership, uh, the support from the front office, everything is there. And at some point, it seems like it's up to the players to go out and, and toughen up and bust their humps out there on the court. Am I being too rough on the players, or uh, is, is there some truth to what I'm thinking? Look, we all, Gordon, I, I guess I'll, I'll say this, that we're all um, responsible and committed as a group. And as you've said, you're absolutely right. We've, we've got great support from ownership and um, a committed front office and a certainly committed coaching staff and excellent teachers and mentors. And I think a great group of players that have great character, but with every group, they've got to learn each other, which they are and have, and they do care and want to come out and compete. Um, I think, you know, the results again will tell us, you know, where we kind of stack up. Um, you can play really hard and not have the result you want. You can play really well, not have the result you want. You can play really bad or not have a kind of effort, but things that overcome and, and get a result that you like. Um, but it's more of the processes that, that lead to that, how we're playing, what we're doing, how we're getting better, um, continuing to focus on the things that help us have helped us win in the past you know sometimes stretches like this are good reminders for everyone but um i think again the character of the group they do care about that and are committed to it and we just kind of keep pushing in that that direction and as far as your comments of whether you're being harsh or not that's your opinion gordon i i respect it and <laughs> you absolutely have every right to say whatever you want to say but I would I would say that we're we're committed as a group and and responsible all of us on a group for uh, how we perform. I find it fascinating, Justin, the whole idea of putting talent together, but also measuring like you you use the word character there about three different times. How important that is to match all that up and to bring it together. And I think character. Some people say talent solves everything. I think character is huge. So that when you do suffer through a five game losing streak. What does it mean to the fellows that you have in the locker room? What does it mean? How well how well will they listen to what the coaches tell them to do to bump themselves out of it in the course of a long regular season? It's really up to them at some point. And if they don't have character, then that's not a good recipe. Yeah, certainly, you know, it's a talented group. Um, but in addition, they care. And they care about their coaches, their staff, their people that work with them, um, they care about each other and so you know caring is not just is is not enough they have that in spades and it also gives us a great chance to be able to respond when when we have adversity it's translating that into you know playing with more force and precision and uh, executing game plans and playing at a high level and you're not going to always have that in the course of an 82 games season but you always do have opportunities to respond uh, opportunities to compete and they embrace that. And uh, like I said, we have another opportunity to compete tonight. 
Justin, uh, before we let you go, I, I think I've asked you something similar in the past, but uh, of course you are a, a trend setter. Your background is in uh, player agent role, and then of course you've come on with the Jazz and and uh, in now the general manager, but uh, the Knicks just hired Leon Rose as their new president of basketball operations. He has a, a similar background. Everybody's copying you, Justin, and I guess my question is, uh, did, what does having that background as a player agent, uh, how does that help you as the general manager, and why are other clubs looking to kind of get on that trend? The Lakers, too. Lakers, too, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, don't forget about a very good one in Bob Myers and Golden State as well. Oh, yeah. He's not bad. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's not bad. Not bad. They've had a good run. Um, <laughs> look, there's, there's any time, it's almost, we've, I've actually used this analogy, and Dennis, is, Dennis has actually used this much more than I have from uh, – a different subject that we were speaking about, you know, the difference between college basketball and the NBA is sometimes it, it, it's the same sport but a different game. But I think there are all things that you can draw from. So being a former agent and the relationships that you have to have, the knowledge you have of entire markets because you're dealing with all 30 teams uh, on a daily basis, um, insight to players' mindset, um, contacts, and then – you know, in the case of, of a lot of these guys that have come on and they've managed groups, so a corporate setting but a different one. So it's the same sport, but it is an, it is an entirely different game. Um, you're dealing with um, drafting and picking players, uh, managing uh, such a huge staff, m much more than most agencies. And even though, you know, with Leon coming from CAA, which is a huge group, they're also scattered over many different offices across the world. Um, so there are, there are some things and basis of, of intimate knowledge of the NBA that, that Leon especially brings if, if they end up hiring him in New York. Um, and then there's always things when you kind of switch sides of things to learn and get integrated with. You know, I was very, very fortunate to have, you know, as, as I've said before, to have not only the support of the Millers, but great mentorship um, from Kevin O'Connor and Dennis Lindsay to to learn about the things that I don't have and didn't have as deep knowledge of, and uh, then also bring certain skill sets and knowledge that that could benefit the Jazz. Justin, one of the things that I, I really enjoy is different approaches within the game. I mean, there seems to be sometimes some copycat and it goes on. People saying, okay, that's really when the Warriors are winning and everything. I was going, okay, let's compile a team like that. But I like kind of different ideas. I don't know whether it works or not, but what, what the Rockets are doing right now with this shorter lineup, I watched the game last night against the Lakers, and as long as they shoot the ball well, they're going to be terrific. I don't know if you can do that consistently, and I'm not asking you necessarily to comment on what another franchise is doing, but did you find that interesting? You know, Mike D'Antoni and, and the guys in Houston have always been – Mike's been a very – I don't know him well personally. I uh, respect him from afar, but he's always been one to to find things that work for the different teams that, and personnel that make sense, again, with the changing league. And so they felt that if that's in their best interest to have them with the personnel that they have to give them the best chance to win, uh, short-term, medium-term, long-term. That's, that's what they're going with. It is interesting. You know, you had – Don Nelson back in the day who would who would uh, mess around with small ball lineups and Mike's a very different coach than than Don but there are elements here of 
using the personnel that they have and, and trying to maximize it, and this is the way they felt they've done. I, I think you'll see it continue. Uh, you've seen it in maybe not this particular trend continue, but you'll see just the game continues to evolve, and sometimes that's over a period of four or five years and the explosion of three-point shooting or it's going to be personnel and matchup-based or as rules change, um, you know, back with when you used to have to, you know, the illegal defenses that have gone away and now more teams are experimenting more with zone defenses and there's a few that think that they've gotten quite good at. So are those trends lasting or are those trends, um, you know, here to stay? Time, Time will tell and it also goes with the type of personnel that's coming into the NBA these days as well. Justin, as always, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very, very much for a few minutes. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, good luck to us tonight, and I uh, really appreciate you guys having us, and uh, appreciate the support. Take care. There you go, thanks, Justin, Justin. Zanuck, Just- uh, general manager of the Utah Jazz, kind enough to carve out a few minutes for Jake and Gordon there. Very interesting conversation, Jake. Absolutely. You heard him talk about the fact, hey, Take two sides to make a deal happen. Yep. But he also talked about the fact, hey, we made our move. We we went for Jordan Clarkson. Similar, Eric made this point earlier on the show. Like they made their trade deadline move. They just happened to make it in December. Yeah. So, and I I I do find the conversation about former player agents moving into the general manager roles and uh, finding success. And it's kind of it's a trend. It's it's, it's a, a trend now. It's yeah. certainly a transition, though. I can imagine for one of those for a guy who's been an agent, then all of a sudden they switch to a GM. Like you switch sides, well, it's almost com- immediately. It's side. different yeah. conversations all yeah. of a sudden. Because Leon Rose, as he mentioned, is now the, the Knicks is they're saying the reset button. Leon Rose, who's an agent with CAA, is now taking over their basketball operations. It sounds like Worldwide West is also going to be involved yeah. with the Knicks. It's a trend that's very interesting, but I'm with you. It, to make that move from being a guy who's fighting for every dime you can get for your player to being the guy who is then like, well, we think you're worth this much, it's got to be an interesting switch. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I can't imagine it's super easy, but these guys, that like Justin mentioned, as he's doing a great job, and then Bob Myers at Golden State mm-hmm. and uh, Rob Palenka in Los Angeles, like uh, there, it could be a trend that we might see more often. It's going to be happening more and yeah. more, I think. All right, uh, coming up on the other side, we've got more Saturday show for you. We've got a lot to go through, including five minutes of soccer with Jake Hatch is back with you. <laughs> as we've got more news from the world of soccer. We're, we're, we'll also meld it with our local look. Yes, we will do that yeah. as well. So uh, a lot coming up here as well as we'll let you hear from Kalani Sataki later in the show as he was on the station this week as well. A lot to come here on the Saturday show on the Zone Sports Network. <laughs> The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to Saturday Show here on The Zone Sports Network. It is time for the local look-in. Uh, we'll have five minutes of soccer for you in a little bit here on the other side of the uh, to wrap up the 2 o'clock hour. But right now, we kind of jump around some local happenings in uh, Utah, Jake, is uh, men's and women's sports continue mm-hmm. on even after football season ends, right? Absolutely. And uh, let's start real quick with men's basketball, Jake. Um, BYU had a strong week last week, getting that win over St. Mary's. I was at that game. 
and I have to say, if college basketball games were like that one every night, <laughs> it'd be a much more popular sport. Because it was a fun game. Of course, the Cougars won it on TJ Hawes. Yep. Uh, big shot right there at the end. But just the, the intensity both teams had, the back-and-forth nature of the game. Yep. If every college basketball game was like that, it'd be a much more popular sport. Yeah, it was a great game. And BYU tonight, they take on San Francisco, Jake. A team Looking that, for some revenge. Yeah, a team that beat them about a week ago uh, at home. And now BYU gets them at home tonight at the Marriott Center. I would expect BYU to win. Oh. Whether you're stuck. Don't let don't let don't let Khalil Shabazz go off for 32 points and a career high on 10 of 10 shooting tonight. I think it'd be okay. They, That's all. They had a guy come off the bench yeah. in the last game who went 10 for 10, six of six from the three point line, and a career high 32 points. In the three games since that game, he's gone like I think made made 10 shots. Yeah. So you know, just. Take care of business. Yeah, so BYU, you expect to get the win tonight. An interesting game in the WCC. Otherwise, mm-hmm. Gonzaga is on the road at St. Mary's. That will be interesting. Gonzaga has not looked as dominant this season as they have in past seasons, but they are still undefeated in West Coast Conference play. And they San- are the number two team in the country. Yeah, San Francisco almost beat them last Saturday, though. It yeah. was a four-point game. So it, the WCC is interesting. I think all three teams, speaking of BYU, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga, are on track to make the NCAA tournament. That's an exciting development for the WCC, but they've got to continue to win all three of them. Don't call and don't count USF quite out. No, 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 no. no they, they get this one tonight, and all of a sudden they could they be, make a deep yeah. run into the. Not that they will, but because I think BYU is going to win the game. But hey, they're interesting to keep an eye on. They're the kind of that one other team that is one that say, hey, they have an opportunity here to do yeah. something. Uh, also tonight in the Pac-12. University of Utah, not doing great in the Pac-12, but now up to 4-6 and six in conference. They host Cal, mm-hmm. and, of course, uh, Chris Hill will be honored at tonight's game as well. Correct. Yeah, uh, big opportunity for the Utes. They had a big win mm-hmm. the other night over Stanford. Yep. Uh, you can start gaining some momentum. You can beat Cal tonight, but the biggest thing with Utah this year that frustrates me just watching them is they get a big win like a Stanford, like a Kentucky, and then they – go on a three- or four-game losing streak, or they lose a game that they should win. That, that's that been the frustrating They're part. just a very, to me, and I, I've watched a lot of the games yeah. being a student there, they're just such a young team. They are young. Uh, outside of Timmy Allen like and, and Booth Gotch, obviously. Well, Booth hasn't played the last four games. Right. Yeah. Like, it, exactly to your point, he hasn't played the last four games, so they kind of almost lack a ton of experience, and Ryland Jones is really good. Mm-hmm. But he he needs time to develop. He mm-hmm. he is just a freshman, I, I, and it's hard to you can't keep those kind of expectations on this young a team. I think they're going to be really good next year, but I think this year is going is going to be a lot of that kind of learning curve. Yeah. But they do have a huge shot tonight. Like if they beat Cal, they're out of that bottom four teams in the Pac-12, and and that'd be kind of huge for them because they have. Oregon again, who they played really tight the first time around. Correct. Uh, again, here in the next few weeks. Yep. And so, big one on the line tonight. Mm-hmm. Got to beat that. Got to got to win all your Pac-12 games, if, or as many as possible. Yeah. Um, and then tonight, Jake, also Utah State um, retaking on Boise State the <laughs> meltdown of biblical proportions in the word of <laughs> words of the great Scott Gerard as uh, they blew a. 18 point, 18 lead. point lead in With three minutes. Three and a half minutes to go. <laughs> Which is almost unfathomable. Yeah. Unfathomable. But they did it. They did it. And they, they did. did it. And uh, they take on Boise State tonight at home, though. So big yeah. chance for the Aggies, who are not out I was gonna say. completely, but they. I've seen a lot of projections that if they 
go 20 if they win out and maybe lose in that final game of the tournament they get to 26 wins or something close to that they might have that that at large shot but they got a lot of work to do still but yeah. you know Boise Colorado State Fresno Wyoming San Jose and New Mexico are all winnable games for the Aggies who have won four of the last five and well, happen to have to take on San Diego State on the road yes. at Kawhi Leonard's retirement. <laughs> and it corresponds with the fact that uh, Nimish Keta is getting healthy. Yeah. We're starting to see him really start getting get rolling here. And I like what uh, PK said mm-hmm. on uh, DJ and PK yesterday. He said the committee should take into account that they're getting a star back and playing their way back into a tournament team. And if you're looking for the best product, might yeah. be smart to put Utah State in. If there. you're going to look, if you're going to take BYU into account, the 13 games that Yoli Childs has not played, well, obviously with Utah State, right. the Nemish Kete conversation absolutely has to exist as For well. For sure, definitely. Um, and so those are that game could be heard tonight on the Zone Sports Network. So don't mm-hmm. miss that. Scott Gerard will be on the call for that. Other sports, Jake, uh, BYU men's volleyball they sweep UCLA. Mm-hmm. Number seven um, team in the country. It is difficult. I will tell you this as a volleyball person. Uh-huh. Uh, as I was even coaching this morning, two yeah. and zero, two and zero. As I was there, um, if you win a set thirty one twenty nine, it is hard to be the losing team on the end of a back on extra points. It really yeah. is. It's deflating, and uh, that's what you saw as the next set was twenty five twelve. That is such. That is something that happens all the time in volleyball when you go to extras. It's a you hangover. Just, you get pummeled the next set. Okay, just happens a lot. And then BYU responded with the twenty five twenty one, and they they're great. And you were telling me about, um, let's see, uh, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez has more service aces than errors this season, which is also unfathomable. Yeah, that's pretty pretty wild. So BYU men's volleyball, number two in the country, number one in the media poll, actually. So they're split with Hawaii yeah. as 1-2. And, and that would be a great – I would love to see that match, Hawaii-BYU. Yeah. That's just such a classic rivalry in sports in general. Well, it just sucks. BYU, that they're, yeah. It sucks they're not in the same conference yeah. anymore. Then it used to be all both in the MPSF. Now that the Big West split off and created its own volleyball conference, you don't see it every year. I think they're on collision course, though, for a chance to play for the national title. And there are two places that are always raucous. Correct. And it's uh, I forget the Stan, arena. Stan Sheriff Center out there in Honolulu. Yeah, that that was they are all men's and women's. Correct. That place is rocking for women's volleyball too, mm-hmm. and uh, of course Smithfield uh, Smithfield House. Uh, I tweeted the other day, impressive that they filled that and the Marriott Center, BYU fans, because they had two matches going on simultaneously with men's basketball. St. Mary's in town, yep, and then UCSB well, was in town, and both yeah. places were filled up. Tonight, I always give yeah. BYU fans so much credit for volleyball uh, patronage, men's and women's, because that place is always full. I go to a lot of games at the U because mm-hmm. it's close to where I live, yeah. and I can go on Sundays and watch them play Pac-12 games, and yeah. it can be a ghost town, <laughs> even though they say that they're the, they have the leading in the conference attendance, but it's because the Huntsman Center is so massive, <laughs> and you can uh, spread out compared to what yeah. you get, it's such a di- different atmosphere. So I'll call you out, Utah fans. Go to volleyball matches; they're got, a great time. Yeah, the same thing happening tonight with BYU because BYU takes on number eight Pepperdine in volleyball at five o'clock, and then basketball right after. That oh, okay. At the Center, so. so cool! You can get a double header in. Yeah. Uh, one thing, Adrian, uh, the XFL, we talked a little bit about this earlier on in the show. I wanted to run down the local players who are cool. on the rosters for these XFL teams. So let's start off with the Dallas Renegades. Uh, BYU and Utah player, both on this team. Celeste Uhatafe, the former.
former Utah offensive line standout playing for the Renegades, and also Tomasi Laulile, former defensive lineman for BYU playing there in Dallas. DeAndre Wesley is playing in the game that's currently on right now for the D.C. Defenders. Corian Ballard will be playing for the Houston Roughnecks, the former Utah defensive back. Uh, Tijon Karoma, the four-year starting center for BYU along their offensive line, also playing for the Roughnecks down there in Houston. Jalen Green, former USU wide receiver, will suit up for the LA Wildcats. And former BYU um, offensive coordinator Norm Chow is the offensive coordinator for the LA franchise. And then uh, Marquez Tucker playing for the Houston Roughnecks. Colby Pearson from BYU playing for the New York Guardians. Uh, Leonard Tillery from Southern Utah playing for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Brock Miller from Southern Utah, Seattle Dragons. Pasoni Tassini, if you remember him, defensive yep. lineman out of Utah. He's playing for Seattle in this game currently. And then Micah Hanneman from BYU playing for the Tampa Bay Vipers. All right, that's a lot of local flavor. Is, yeah, so all over the league, you have a chance to support some local BYU, Utah, Utah State, Southern Utah. And I think, I'm, I'm surprised there's not a Weber State player in that mix, but maybe so, at some point there will be. They're all in the NFL. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, speaking of uh, Weber State, Jarek yeah. Harding moving in at number one, all-time leading scorer. Passing Jeremy Singlin. Yep, and uh, just to wrap things up here in the local looking, Jake, uh, women's basketball Utah, they got the victory over Washington on the road yesterday, 74-65. Brenna Maxwell, 16.7 boards and two steals in that game. And today at 3 o'clock, about to tip off, BYU is on the road at San Diego. Sweet. Uh, 13-8 on the season, 8-3 in the WCC or the Cougars, so looking to improve on that. So that's got that's your local looking. Don't forget the XFL games. Is All that local talent is out there, and you can get a chance to watch some of your old favorite players at your university. Yeah, I think a lot of names you'll see in the XFL. You're like, hey, I remember that guy playing. Yeah. That's the fun part about a league like this. Yes, definitely. All right, coming up on the other side, it's time for five minutes of soccer with Jake Hatch. He will let you know everything. Going on in the world of RSL and the MLS and the Hotspur as well. We got to put a new coach locally too. Yes, Utah Royals getting the new coach. Oh, definitely. We'll get into that as well. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show. Burn. Welcome back, Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network, wrapping up a two o'clock hour. Don't forget, we're gonna let you hear from Kalani Sitake on the other side, as he was on the station, and maybe a little of Chris Hill conversation as well. Um, but first, Jake, it is time for five minutes of soccer. Mm-hmm. What do you got for us today? Well, let's start off with this. RSL uh, set a club record for outgoing transfer fees. Jefferson Savarino being sold to Mininero down there in and for. Brazil's People, unlike Syria. myself, I know what you're talking about, uh-huh. but what does that mean for the for the so layman? In the world of soccer, how you... Because, of course, I know what this acquire means. Acquire and sell players is... Guys, massive, I know what all this means. Massive amounts of money. is you, okay. you trade money back and forth to get players. And RSL is sending Jefferson Savarino to Brazil's Syria. Uh, Mininero is the club he's going to play for, and they got a club record in terms of the money they got back. $2 million is what it's been reported as. But also, additionally, if he does in turn at some point get sold again by Mininero, RSL gets 40% of a future transfer. Right. So congratulations in that regard. They've made a couple of signings as well. They're trying out some players like Giuseppe Rossi, the former Italian international, is with the club in training camp. and. It's crazy to think, but MLS soccer is back at the end of the month, Adrian. Yeah, they have a 14-month season. No, they don't. It's shortened. It's only six months. Oh, okay. Something like that. I don't know. 
It's still long, but it is what it is. Um, and then one other note for you is congratulations to Utah Royals FC. Their new head coach, Craig Harrington, will be the second coach in club history. Uh, he comes over from the Chicago Red Stars there in the NWSL. He was the head assistant there with Chicago. Uh, helped lead the Red Stars to a 23-12-13 and 13 record with back-to-back runs in the playoffs, including their highest finishes, the 2019 runners-up last season. Uh, I'm interested to see how this goes because there was some thought that they might promote from within, speaking of the Royals, but they ultimately decided to go outside of it. And Harrington, if you haven't heard him speak, he's got a great accent. So, uh, And speaking of the NWSL, is uh, the U- or the women's national team, Pumbles Mexico in the yep. Olympic qualifiers. Qualified so for the Olympics. They will be qualified for the uh, 2020 Olympics in Japan. In Tokyo, Japan. And uh, our women always do a great job representing this country on the soccer stage as we yep. just demolish everybody. I wish or, the men's team could get their ducks in a row. but no, they, they just can't keep, be Trinidad and Tobago. They keep screwing things up. Yeah, so no, who they, knows? At some point, maybe at one point, I, I have hoped that one day that the men's team can do something on a grand stage. They've had some runs in the World Cup, but yeah. nothing to like the degree that the women do. You're right, because the women just represent this country. Yeah, they kill everybody. Here's an interesting question. Because yeah. I'm of the opinion that the answer is no to this question. All right. Do you think that in the next, let's choose a four number. So do you think in the next 24 years, okay. the men's national team will make it to a World Cup final? A just final? make it. Just Final. make it. No. In 24, so that's six, essentially six World Cups as they have an opportunity yeah. to do that. I'm going to say no. Yeah, me too. I just, I, I don't, I don't even think they'd make the semifinals. They, you know, they might, they might be able to squeak something like that. But they came one goal away from yeah. the semifinals in, was it 2002, I think? And it's important, like, our, like, if, if the United States, this is a age old conversation. Yeah. If the best athletes played soccer, we probably would have won a World Cup by now. Sure, but they don't. They play other sports, which is great. Whatever. Where the you know they yeah. that's why the U.S. men's basketball team is the best on the planet by a, a bazillion years. So and so and I've had a bunch of people out there who say, well, the United States has three hundred and thirty million people. They can't find eleven guys who are the best in the world at soccer. But here's the thing: if we're going just by population size, China. India, right. Russia, the United States should all be world powers in soccer, no. and not a one of them is. And half of the national team are technically dual nationals. Yeah, they're, most of them haven't spent a lot of time in the United States. Uh, more and more they are, but a bunch of German Americans are playing. But when yeah. when um, Jurgen when, when was running the thing, he all he cared about is if you had, if you were one, if your third uncle was born on a Air Force base in another country. <laughs> that's all he cared about. Which, credit to Jurgen, that worked. It like, did, that's yeah. the most successful yeah, but, they've been. Yeah, but I didn't really like it that much. It, I'll be honest. There, there is something You're right, there said. was the most success, but there, I didn't There's really. something to be said yeah, for guys who grew up, born and bred here in the United States of yeah. America. And the funny thing is, so going back, Giuseppe Rossi, kid that born and raised in Teaneck, uh, New Jersey. So he is a born... You hear him talk, he sounds like he's from the East Coast. Yeah. But he happened to grow up, he has Italian parents that are immigrants from Italy, and he opted to play for Italy versus the United States when it came time to choose his national team. And he had a great run with Italy, there's no doubt about it. Knee injuries are what precluded him from having what I thought was going to be an incredible career. And I'm hoping that he makes RSL's roster, because I think he's still got some talent. He's a little older now, he's 33, but... You can't lose like guys like that. Yeah, exactly. 
born and raised in New now, Jersey. Now, there are some stars, though. Now, there are, uh, You've yes. got Christian Pulisic, Pulisic yep. who uh, was born in New Jersey, I believe. but He's a Pennsylvania Or kid. Pennsylvania, Hershey, yeah. Pennsylvania. Hershey, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And he is making waves on the world stage. And if he could stay healthy with Chelsea, he might yeah. sing a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. So, and uh, last question, what do you yep. think of the uh, the kit? The kit? Okay. The blue shorts. Now, according to it. ESPN, it's ranked ninth. Yeah. Well, most of the kits this year for MLS just suck, FYI. Okay. I, I hate the... Adidas did not do well overall this year. The one thing I will I be forever grateful for is the fact that Adidas brought the blue shorts back for RSL. I think it's an iconic look. RSL should be wearing red and blue every week. It's what Dave Checkett's originally wanted to set it up as. He understood there are two fan bases in the state. One's red, one's blue. Let's meld them together. But... Slightly off the colors. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Oh, that's but way cool. I didn't yeah. know that's the why, why and the cobalt. That that's why it exists. Utah, BYU were putting them together. Oh, that's awesome. That was his goal. I love goal. that. But for years now, they've gone with this just this weird all-red look. I don't like the jersey per se, but the blue shorts, totally okay with Looks it. Looks like a big thumbprint. It's supposed to be topography. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. No, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure this is an Adidas thing. I'm it not is. so sure it's an RSL thing, so... Adidas is doing a throwback for the 96 season. It's the 25th season for MLS this year, and those three stripes on that shoulder is an iconic old-school look I like the Adidas. little beehive thing on it, though. The beehive's been something that's been a part of their their kit for a little while. Yeah, that was on the that was even on the glitch ones that yes. they put out last year. Well, the glitch ones are still going to be here. That's the road oh. jersey. This is the new home jersey oh. is what they launched. So they're, so they're getting rid of the the straight-up Claritin cool, Yeah, but all yeah, All so, together. Yeah, so they're going to go those white glitch jerseys that we wore last year. Those will still be around for road games mm. particularly. This is the new home kit this year. And I will oh. put up with the jersey not being my favorite just due to the fact that, hey, the blue shorts are back. I'm okay with you that. You love yourself some blue. Well, I just love the look that Arsenal That's had. why you are the host of Locked on Cougars. There you, I'm you, know, getting you got it. it. No, you got it. But Twitter's <laughs> been right about you the whole time. <laughs> no, it's just they, they had this iconic look when they won their MLS yeah. Cup with that blue and red look. Mm-hmm. They went away from it. I'm glad it's back. All right. Uh, that's five minutes of soccer. I let you go way too long. We got about ten minutes. I'll take it. We got into <laughs> U.S. national team stuff. I'm passionate about a little, it. A little too. I, you know, I'm with you, though. I, 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 I'm not a huge soccer fan, per se, mm-hmm. but what I love about soccer is I will watch any international match. I will fun. watch country versus yep. country because it truly is. It's a game that everyone in this world, every country plays. Yes, they do. And they t- typically play it at a high level. Some higher than others. Some higher than others, others, but it is it is a truly a world game. Yeah, and it's not like and you know must uh, and I Americans don't like getting beat mm-hmm. at things, so that's probably why the popularity isn't huge all the time, mm-hmm. because you know that's you know they don't like to lose, and so um, but take a twenty three and me test, you know <laughs> right exactly, really? and, but uh, but I think uh, that's why there's always so, but when the World Cup comes around, too bad they won't be in it this time, and that I think it puts soccer back a little bit. And one note real quick before we go, um, there's a funny thing in soccer, these fake clubs that people make up. Like they just take iconic things from, from local landmarks in the communities they live in. There's a new one just launched here locally. It's called Saltaire FC. You can follow it on Twitter, at Saltaire FC. It's pretty cool. It's a throwback to Saltaire, the former resort out there on the Great Salt Lake. It's a pretty cool look, so check it out. All right, we'll check that out as well. All right, coming up on the other side, we've got another hour of the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network.